Oh no! But he is back. <laughs> oh, starting off with technical di- difficulties immediately, but it wouldn't be the full tilt Devi podcast without a little bit of unforeseen circumstances and a random cat appearances. But that's what it is, because it is Wednesday night during the college football season, and we are back with all three of us this week. And man, it is good to see you all. Uh, since last time we have talked, uh, I believe something's happening out in Boulder, Colorado. They actually are winning football games until they left the state of Colorado, and then things didn't go well. Uh, Tennessee has looked good and unfortunately very bad uh it's made me very sad and we've been proven right on a lot of guys but also slightly proven wrong so we'll see what's we'll see what's happening but it's great to be back with you all i am of course lucas gilbert at l gilbert ff on twitter oh yeah i got a new twitter handle too uh <laughs> since the last time we were here i was about course- to say what the hell is that <laughs> <laughs> But of course, joined as always by Mr. John Arrington at Dynasty Coach A on Twitter or X and Mr. Andy Starr at A Star FF on the Bird slash X app. Or as Thomas Tipple likes to call it, the new softcore porn app of the internet. So that's where we are in this day and age. How are you all doing tonight? I'm doing well. Yeah, we need to uh, update like our graphic down here. I still see the little bird down there, so that's kind of obsolete now. <laughs> yeah, we need the X. I'm I'm also doing well and uh, happy to have you back, uh, L Gilbert FF. Whatever he, the hell he stole that is. My my handle template, like first initial. He did exactly. I saw that, and it's like yeah. Yeah, I it's had simple. a little bit yours of inspiration. Was just, yours was too good, you know. No one's ever done it before, and they were just like, oh, throw an FF on the <laughs> yeah. end. You know? It's never been done. <laughs> never been done. <laughs> oh, dang. Also, completely forgot, apparently there's new uh, there's a new power couple in the world. Um, a Mr. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. We've already we talked do, about Taylor Swift. This I know. I was going to say, we do double as a Taylor Swift podcast, so it's good true. that we're getting that out of the way. Some of us have been backstage with her, you know, some of us. You lucky duck. (sighs) Me and me and Travis, you know. (laughs) Wow. Dang. I will say if there are any Taylor Swift fans out there that are not normally football fans and you need refreshers or you need help getting accustomed to this wonderful game that we love to follow, please let us know. We can do a whole show dedicated to to getting you spun up on this game and you know we will do our best to put it in language that you will best understand but that's a show for another time tonight we are talking devi fantasy football and after what was it week four of college football week five depending on if you're a vanderbilt fan or you actually like football um there's been a lot that's gone on and Andy, why don't you get started on some of the news and notes coming out of this week or just the things we need to be paying attention to? Well, a couple injury updates. Um, first one, Rocket Sanders, who's been gone since week one when they played, when Arkansas played Western Carolina. Uh, he's been out with an injury. He is practicing now. Um, the co- Their coach did mention that he's not 100% sure that he will play this weekend. But, uh, you know, 
it would be nice, obviously, to get Rocket Sanders back in action. He's obviously a guy that I had rated very highly preseason as my RB1 in this class. Uh, so, you know, it's especially considering, you know, kind of how poorly he started the season against Western Carolina. I think it is important that he comes back and gets back to that 2022 form. Um, but I am interested to see what his role is going to be. Uh, the Razorbacks running backs running game has been decent enough without him with AJ Green and Rashad Dabinion, particularly AJ Green. I know uh, he didn't play a lot against LSU, but he's been their best runner. And then obviously KJ Jefferson does his own work on the ground too. But uh, I think it's imperative that he, you know, like I said, he gets back to that 2022 form if he wants those draft day two draft aspirations. Uh, and I want to see him hit a few of those home run plays we saw last year and get more involved in the past game. He, that first game, he I think he only had like one catch for negative yards. So not just the screens out of the backfield. And like I said, he didn't look great against Western Carolina. So there's definitely some concern there. Um, not sure he comes back this week, but when he does, I, I do need to see him take control of that backfield to keep him in my tier one of running backs for 2024. Yeah, I get it. I mean, obviously you want to see him out there and playing and everything, but I, I also kind of think that he did enough last year to where he could still be like a third or a fourth round pick, uh, even if he never touched the field again. Uh, that being said, obviously we want to see him and we want him to be higher than that. And I think the expectation is that he's going to be or was going to be higher than that. So you know, he probably does need to get back out there. Also, you know, he gained what, like 15, 20 pounds, something like that this offseason. So if that's going to be the new weight for him to be playing at, then we kind of need to see him actually playing at that weight and actually doing well. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely like to see him out there as soon as possible. Yeah, you all are making all excellent points. With Obviously. Obviously. With Rocket Sanders being so banged up, who is the RB1 right now of this class? Oh, like man, we I could mean, do a whole other show on this, but Travion <laughs> Henderson has looked better. I don't know if he still has that same shine as he has a freshman. Uh, same with, oh my gosh, I'm completely blanking on the running back out of Wisconsin, but my brain Braylon won't Allen. work. Thank you. <laughs> my brain won't work today. Braylon Allen's looked good, not like all otherworldly, but whenever you're so dominant as a freshman, it's hard to ever meet those expectations again. Like, who is right now your RB one? It was always oh, Henderson for me. Like it, that never changed. It was after year one. It was Henderson, even when he fell off. You know, for, so as as people were saying, he was still the my, the number one for me. He was just a lower version of the number one, uh, where he was like almost like a tier ahead of everyone else at one point. Um, and then. You know, so like it really hasn't changed. I mean, I guess the role has changed, the offense has changed, but like he still looks like the same exact player. Uh, you know, he's healthy this year, and so we're actually seeing him be healthy and look really good touching the ball again. Whereas last year, things just weren't right, and we, we knew it. I mean, we all knew he was hurt, he was trying to play through it, and it just didn't work out. And then with uh, Braylon Allen. I don't even think it's a matter of him not looking good when he's touching the ball. It's just that he wasn't touching the ball as much as he was last year. And then Ches Malusi got hurt. And whether that had to do with the fact that he ended up getting like most of the touches or not, I don't know this past week. But, I mean, regardless, he still looks really good. So I don't think anything's truly changed for me on either one of those. It's more the players after that that are kind of surprising me. And it's like, man, uh, 
there's some names up there that you know we've talked about in the past, but maybe not in like in this tier or even close to this tier. Yet here we are. Yeah, in the comments, uh, Ferris said that the top end RBs are not in this class, and I don't think there's a truly elite running back. I do think Travion Henderson probably is the RB one right now, but he does bring up an interesting name, Marshawn Lloyd out of USC, uh, going to be best value if he goes at least in round three. I don't know if he can quite reach round three right now. Uh, it's definitely a name to be paying attention to. But Andy, same question to you. Yeah, it's it's Trevion Henderson RB one for me. I mean, he's got the the draft Knicks talking about him still as like a round potentially a round one round two draft pick. He's going to get the the best opportunity in the NFL, and he's been playing well enough. I've said it before. I'd like to see him get back into the passing game like he was when he was a freshman, but. Like John said, the offense has kind of changed around him. So I guess we can't really hold that against him too much. We've already seen that he can do it. So it's not really a concern of, you know, whether or not he can do it in the NFL. Um, but Ferris did bring up a good point in the comments that the top end of this running back class has kind of been watered down this, this year with how the top guys have been producing. Uh, a lot of it, you know, Rocket Sanders is injury related and Trevian Henderson, maybe offense related. Raylan Allen, he had Ches Malusi back, so it was turned into a split backfield. Um, but John mentioned like those second guys that are taking a step up, like Audric Estime and um, Bucky Irving, and Marshawn Lloyd is another great name to bring up. Guy who's yep. had twelve big time runs uh, on only thirty eight carries. You know, you start to give a guy opportunities like Marshawn Lloyd, maybe he's, his numbers pop a little bit more than they already are, um, and you know, he's also getting some good work out of the backfield in the passing game, too. So there is players out there who can step up and, you know, be NFL players. But it's just not like it's clear of a there's no Bijan in this class, which, you know, we, we love to see, obviously, but or even a Brees Hall, really. So um, we don't have that like surefire pick like we have in years past, unfortunately. Yeah, I was going to bring up Audric Estimate. Uh, you talk about him a ton in the Debbie recaps which if you are not watching or listening to you are really really missing out best way to recap the college football season is with the weekly recaps they come out every Monday or Tuesday so make sure you are checking those out but this week Audric estimate even the loss still looked really good against Ohio State I know that Notre Dame wants to run their rotation but he he just looks like the clear cut best back and should be on the field as much as possible. And Bucky Irving, once again, looked really, really good. I was surprised whenever you were comparing him to Jameer Gibbs, but said he's actually a good runner. I found that very surprising listening to it, but it kind of makes sense. It's a little scary, but it I, makes sense. Well, I'll just say that I never said that Jameer Gibbs wasn't a good runner. I just said Bucky Irving is a better runner. I think that he's, 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 better between the tackles and Jameer Gibbs is Gibbs and, is a better receiver though. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, just, they're, they're right. really like two different players. I, but I, I like the comp. I'm not hating on it or anything, but it's like, I don't know. It, it, it's like comparing two different styled wide receivers, basically yeah, <laughs> a, a little bit. I mean, their size similar, but they both, you know, offer that dual threat, you know, Bucky Irving might not be as good of a receiver as Gibbs, but he's still a threat as a receiver, which is what you want to see. I think. And Ferris back in the comments, uh, Bucky Irving has better contact balance. He does. Ooh, he does have good like contact that. balance. Uh, I actually and- have, 
Going back to Ferris's uh, previous comment, I actually have Bucky Irving and Marshawn Lloyd tied in the model right now. So, I mean, they are way up here in the ranks and uh, and both looking pretty damn good. So, you know, we've been the biggest Bucky Irving fans here. And so it's it's looking pretty damn good. And if Marshawn Lloyd wants to jump up in there, I'm fine with it too. And more good points. I mean, A-Chan absolutely lit up the NFL last week, uh, made me extremely sad to be a Broncos fan, uh, which is why I have not been wearing that hat much recently because I want them to at least win a game before I can put that hat back on and not hate myself completely. Um, it's, you better you know, put it in the closet, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it stares at me right now. It's it's somewhere over there, but yeah, it's making me could sad. Be, you could be a Bears fan, so it could be worse. <laughs> true thank you for that i needed that today uh not to get stuck too much on running backs because i've already taken us down a tangent uh but all great things uh more injury notes connor wegman uh texas a&m's starting quarterback done for the season uh one thing i'm sorry for ruining your transition here but one thing before we dive into wegman can we just talk about jonathan brooks because I, Andy was one of the first people to truly talk about him, if I remember correctly. And uh, and then I started looking at him and said, wait, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Brooks looks pretty damn good. And that would, I mean, that was, what, really early in the offseason, saying like he could you know have the show. If Texas is going to be as good as people expect them to be and everything, then Brooks could be like a sleeper to be a, a quality pick in the 2024 class. And here we are, you know, like he, Brooks is looking pretty damn good and, and, uh, you know, he's getting a lot of attention. I will say like CJ Baxter, Cedric Baxter, whoever, uh, you know, has been hurt kind of off and on and everything. I don't know if that truly has affected, you know, Brooks playing or not, but at this point it doesn't really matter <laughs> as the, your cat is doing whatever the hell he's doing. I can't get over that. I love that so it's much. trying to be comfortable. I don't know. <laughs> My cat just left. He's been shedding on me all day and like i you all can't see it because my camera's not that good but there's like cat hair everywhere and it's killing <laughs> me a little inside but yeah you know you don't always love to brag on yourself but whenever no one else will brag on you we'll we'll brag on ourselves a little bit we are hitting way more than we're missing months ahead of where most people or of when most people start paying attention to these players we're already getting you familiar with the names and telling you you need to be looking out by these players before they're going to cost you way more in your leagues and i don't know and we did i mean we personally did i remember andy was sending out like i don't know like 10th round picks uh, c2c picks to to get brooks uh i tried acquiring them in a league and then i got kicked out of it so that didn't work out but then i but then i joined another league and i drafted them so uh it worked out pretty damn well so uh, you know we've definitely been all about brooks and i just wanted to mention before we transition off of the running backs because like i said he's gone from basically a sleeper to in the mix, you know, kind of like the Marshawn Lloyd, the Bucky Irving, like, you know, at least right around, he should be mentioned around those names at least. Mm-hmm. Fair For enough. Sure. So, uh, <laughs> moving on a uh, car Wegman, like I said, done for the season in, in your notes, Andy, you say, is there a quarterback two for a 2025 class that we're confident in? I'm assuming that means you have drew Aller as your QB one for 2025. That's a safe assumption. Yeah. And, you know, I got a few things to say about this 2025 class. And first of all, tough, tough loss for Wigman on that foot injury last week. Um, 
but I think, you know, we see it every year where we kind of narrow the, the class down to one or two guys before their junior season. And you're absolutely right that Drew Alar is kind of running unopposed for QB1 this year. Uh, I think Connor Wigman was, you know, in the mix. Um, so I don't think that we can really knock him for an injury at this point, but it is difficult, you know, because he's going to be gone for the rest of the year. Um, this is an interesting year with QBs because I'm anticipating a lot of holdovers from the 2024 class, which has been playing out of their minds. So I still think there's going to be some talent near the top, but for guys in this 2022 recruiting class, you've got Allen Wegman. And after that, it's kind of falls off. You know, Klubnik hasn't looked good. Uh, Ty Simpson couldn't take the job from mill row. Devin Brown is, is still kind of a wild card behind McCord at Ohio state. And McCord is one of those guys that I think, is going to stay another year. I don't think he's got any reason to go to the draft now. Um, so there's going to be more of this QB battle nonsense next year at Ohio State, assuming Devin Brown stays there. You know, he could be a transfer candidate. Um, so I just don't know if you can feel confident with anyone past Alar uh, and now Wigman with the injury. Uh, and But to be honest, it's it's not like Alar is lighting up the scoreboard either. He's playing safe and efficient. Can't really say one thing bad about the guy, but you know, where are those big time throws? So I kind of need to see him win something on his own and he's going to have shots, you know, against Michigan and Ohio state. But until then I'm, I'm kind of down on the 2025 class altogether. Um, I think it's entirely possible that one of these holdover seniors ends up being the best QB in 2025. So Deion Sanders has already mentioned it, but if Shador Sanders stays and comes back next year, does he have a run at QB two and maybe even potentially QB one in this class? No, uh, not well. I'll, I'll let John go, but I, I agree. Uh, no, not after what we saw at Oregon last week. Yeah, I mean the the hot start was great, but he's already fallen off. I mean, it, it, I mean, and not that one game is a true fall off or anything like that. But I mean, he, even against Nebraska, he wasn't quite the same as he was, you know, the week prior and, and so on and so forth. I think that, I think that Dion knows that he's a college only quarterback or I, I shouldn't say that. I think Dion knows that he's probably like a backup level quarterback in the NFL. Um, and so, you know, he, it's just better for him, better for Dion, better for Shador, better for Colorado, better for everyone. If they just keep him in, in college, um, for me, I mean, like him staying another year, unless the game progressively gets better, then there's no reason for me to be like, oh yeah, all of a sudden he jumps up to number one. And I mean, you know, like, yeah, Lars not lighting it up. We, we would love to see the big time throws a little bit better, even like the intended air yards a little bit better. They also don't have much as far as a receiving core. So, you know, you got to give a little bit of context there. And, uh, but I mean, I, I had Wegman and Alar right there, you know, like one and two, like, you know, they're easily the one and two. I actually do have a third guy though. that's not that far behind them. Uh, I mean, he's definitely a tear break at the very least. Uh, but I, I think that Thomas Castellanos needs to be thrown in the mix. I mean, he's getting, I know a lot of people are just saying he's a college only QB and you know, that's all he is and everything like that. Give the guy some time. I mean, he's barely, he's, he started what, three, four games. I mean, uh, he seems to be getting better every single week and, and he almost beat FSU, <laughs> FSU. Uh, I mean, obviously it wasn't just him. It's a team sport, but I mean, like he was, he was holding his own. He looked really damn good against FSU. He's going out there and just putting some tremendous plays out there. Not everything's perfect, but I'll tell you what, he's on my radar. And like I said, he could be that next guy 
but I mean, he's, I mean, he is technically the next guy on, uh, in my ranks as of right now. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't mind talking about Thomas Castellanos. I think he's a good dual threat quarterback. Um, I think there's a lot of those guys that are playing right now though. Um, you know, he's not as good of a passer as I'd like to see, but you know, the NFL has kind of shown us, I guess, that they don't need, you don't need to be an elite passer to get, you know, this high draft capital if you're winning games and, or, you know, making electric plays on the ground. So I kind of get that. Yeah. I mean, he, I'm not saying he's perfect and he definitely needs to progress. Like I said, he needs to take that next step, but he's young. He's only played a few games. Um, 8.4 adjusted yards per attempt. Well, Alar's at 8.5 and Wegman's at 8.8. Not that far behind. Um, playing for, for Boston College, going up against some pretty strong uh, teams so far. And then, obviously, you know, you talked about how he's a hell of a runner. I mean, he's explosive as hell. I don't know if you've seen that play from last week where he ran his ass off trying to get away because the, the, they, you know, they, they were coming in for a sack. He runs away from the defenders. He probably ran 182 yards. And then he still completed the pass for first down. Like it's it's unbelievable what he's doing. Uh, he's been pretty safe with the ball. One point five percent interception rate. Big time throw rate is pretty low. It's three point five percent. It's right around where Alar is. Um, Nine point three intended air yards. So, I mean that's good to you know that's right where we want him to be. All of this stuff is just leading to he's good. I'm not saying he's great. I'm not saying he's amazing. So he's good if he takes another step forward then he could be great, you know, when it's all said and done. But I think it's somebody that you at least need to have on your radar because if he starts getting hyped, you're going to want to know who the hell Castellanos is. Fair enough. And then real quick, the last point on here, uh, Andy, what else have you been following this week? Oh, what I think I had Quinchon Judkins, right? So yes, he's dealing with some injury stuff, obviously, but uh, he mentioned in an interview that, he felt more like himself last week. Um, I talked about him on the on the Debbie recap as well, and it's very reminiscent to what happened to Travion Henderson last week or last year with the injury and uh, you know some concerns about you know what's happened between freshman year and sophomore year. Uh, I you know he's only had one 15 yard carry this season, and that's something that he did 27 times in 2022. Um, you know, to go out and say he felt like himself. I know it's against Bama's D, but he only had 57 yards on 13 rush attempts and one catch. Uh, I like that he's getting a little bit more involved in the passing game. Uh, but, you know, it's definitely concerning when you draft the guy in the top half of the first round of Debbie drafts and to see him struggling like this. You know, same thing with like Rocket Sanders, obviously. Uh, injury related or not. And according to him, he's he's not injured anymore. But either way, you know, he's still going out there each week with less than ideal results. And, you know, I'm kind of in the same boat as Travion where I had, you know, Rocket Sanders jumping last year. I'm looking at guys from 2025. I've got, you know, Singleton is above him still, but, you know, I like what Damian Martinez has been doing at Oregon State. He's looked better. Omarion Hampton's looked better at UNC. Uh, I won't say LaQuint Allen is above him, but he's been, he's looked better too. So, I don't know exactly where Quinshawn Junkins falls in the rankings right now because his freshman season was so elite, uh, but it's definitely concerning. You know, you'd want to see him take a step forward. And I know, you know, he mentioned that, you know, it's a team effort and he kind of said, you know, his offensive line isn't 
what it was a year ago, but uh, it, it's 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 certainly not what you want to see. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's he's obviously fallen. Uh, you know, I, I think so many of the running backs have fallen that it, it's not even like all that crazy that he has. But um, I mean, he I, I was really high on Quinshawn. I, I think I had him as my RB five overall. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, and I mean, he's in like the late teens, early twenties now for me. So it's uh, not to say. I mean, obviously, he, if, if he felt better, if he felt one hundred percent healthy, whatever, then maybe he could easily turn it around. I mean, yeah, Bama hasn't been the greatest defense, but I really feel like it's been more on like the secondary and and you know corners and stuff like that more so than their linebackers and their defensive line and all that. I feel like we always expect. Bama to at least have a good run defense. Uh, now, whether that's true or not, I, I really don't know. I don't pay attention to defense. I definitely don't pay attention to college defense. But uh, I would just give them a little grain, uh, you know, or, or I would give them a little bit of leeway with uh, the Bama game. So if he comes out firing on all cylinders next week, then, you know, maybe we can't say, okay, he's back. He's 100% healthy, like that kind of thing. So I say give him a game, see if it kind of comes back to form. But, I mean, what he's done so far, he's definitely fallen off. Yeah, I can't say it any better than that. Uh, he he was all freshman last year, a borderline all American. Now, you know he's he's looked fairly pedestrian. Hopefully, he can get turned around soon. It's still very early in the season. The schedule does not get any easier for Ole Miss moving forward, though. So he's going to have to make some improvements very fast, or his offensive line's going to have to really improve. But you know, if you're going to be investing one of your higher uh, Devy picks or even dynasty picks and a running back, you would prefer for them to be as offensive line proof as possible. So it's just one of those things to be concerned with moving forward. Uh, speaking oh, real of, quick, yeah, real quick. Sorry, just popped in my head with with Quinshawn. One of the things that was like a negative in his uh, in his profile before the season was he was lower on uh, big time run rate. He only had a five percent big time run rate, and I mean we're kind of seeing that continue on like you know Andy said only one so I don't want to say he got lucky last year or anything like that but I mean maybe that's something we need to keep an eye on you know if we see guys especially as true freshmen kind of look great but maybe have that lower big time run rate and then we see him fall off in the second year you know like I don't it's never something I've truly paid attention to but uh it's definitely something to keep an eye on because most of the guys at the top you know, your seven, eight, nine, ten percent big time run rate, and he was sitting there at five, like one of the lowest. So, I mean, it's definitely something to keep an eye on with that as well. Excellent point. Uh, and Toronto Dave making an appearance in the comments. Thank you very much for watching. Uh, we're going to take a really, really quick break, uh, three seconds by what it looks like on here, but that'll just make it easier whenever I'm clipping things earlier. So I hope you're really fast at getting your drink, uh, John and Andy, uh, but we will be right back. Like I said, it was oh, Andy was wasn't really quick fast. enough. <laughs> but as we're waiting on Andy to get back, uh, we just want to remind that you. That was not three seconds. It was three seconds. I that was see. Like a and a half. I am looking at my screen. It says zero colon zero three. It is three seconds, or at least what I tell people is three seconds. Okay. Right. But moving forward, just want to remind you all, we are still sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Make sure you are going over there playing the NFL pick-ems. 
just pick over unders for at least three players put in however much you want to bet either 10 25 just some amount of money use promo code full tilt whenever you do your first deposit and they will match you up to 100 dollars. that is 100 extra dollars and free bets to go to the pick on plays right now or save it until next year and get involved in best ball mania it has been absolute blast so far this season and it's just going to get better moving forward so make sure you are going to underdog fantasy and using promo code full tilt f-u-l-l-t-i-l-t and they will match your first deposit up to $100. Now that you all have got refreshments, though, it is time to look at the flashes in the pan. I absolutely love that you came up with this segment, Andy. The whole gist of this is to say, are these extremely high-achieving players in college right now going to be able to translate the success into the pros whenever they go pro whether that's in this year or in coming years and there are some really interesting names on this list uh so what do you want to start with uh do you just want to go with your first name yeah i'll just start at the beginning here uh i i've got darius taylor the running back from minnesota true freshman uh and i think he's the real deal for me uh so far, you know, he's been the, the clear-cut starter for three games. He's over three breakaway yards per attempt, 14 runs over 10 yards and only 87 attempts. He's got NFL size and speed. I think he was in, like, either the top five or ten uh, top speeds in college football last week. Uh, he's utilized in the pass game, basically stole the job from Sean Tyler, who should have really had no competition there after he transferred from Western Michigan to play for P.J. Fleck. Uh, he's yeah, he's a top Debbie target for me right now. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying he's like a first round guy or anything at this point in time. He's only a three star recruit. Uh, he's playing for Minnesota, who's obviously a run heavy offense, but he's looked to the part. He's got the size. Uh, he's, he's doing it as a true freshman. I, you know, all checks all the boxes. So for me, I'm, I'm taking him anywhere I can get him right now. He's definitely handling an NFL workload. After the very first game of the season with only one carry, he has cranked off 33, 22, and 31 carries. And is absolutely carrying that offense. John? He is, and, and, and he's skyrocketed up my ranks as well. I mean, I on, honestly did not do a good enough job of focusing on the freshman recruits, like especially like the lower-end ones. Uh, this offseason, that's something I want to focus on more next year, and that's going to be a goal of mine because I feel like this should have been someone that was on my radar, and he really wasn't. Uh, but I was actually listening to the C2C boys today talking on a pod, and they were talking about Taylor and saying how like they were moving him up to like their twenties or something like that, and they weren't sure if he was really like uh, NFL viable. I don't really know what is like we haven't seen yet. <laughs> like he's he's got the speed, he's got the size. Um, actually, I think they were talking about his athleticism, saying that like any kind of uh, verified testing he has right now, or, or you know from like high school and stuff like that, uh, really wasn't all that great. But I mean, what we're seeing on the field. An 11% big-time run rate when you're averaging 30 rushes a game is pretty damn good. And, I mean, you know, I'm sure the offensive line is good, and I'm sure the system is good. Good only gets you so far. Good doesn't get you what he's been, you know, doing and producing. So, I'm, I mean, 
I don't want to fall into the Quinshawn Junkins trap if it is one. But here we're looking at a player over 10% with the big time run rate. So I don't think we're necessarily seeing that even if it is an actual trap. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think top 20 is, is being very like conservative. I think he's, he's, he's done enough right now to prove that he's, you know, inching in on that like top 10 mark for me right now. I know it's only been four games and he's really only played in three of them, but I mean, things move fast in fantasy football and sometimes you just gotta, you know, get ahead of some of these things. And if, if you can get them cheap now, you might as well do it. The funny thing is with with these college players, sometimes, especially when I'm working with the model, sometimes I'm dealing with players that have like 80 rush attempts in their career and, and they, you know, they're a fourth year player. He has 93 rush attempts already. (laughs) This is fourth or fifth game, you know, like, um, I feel like we have a solid understanding of who he is as a player. You know, he, we might not have the the final answer, but we have an idea. And so I'm with you. Like I think, I think he should at least be a top twelve overall running back right now. Wow, top twelve already. I was not expecting to hear that whenever I saw Darius Taylor's name on here. And to be honest, I wasn't really following him that much. Uh, the biggest game that Northwestern's had so far, or sorry, Minnesota's had so far was uh, against Nebraska in week one. He barely showed up in that game. One carry, three yards. But yeah, he has been putting it on these last couple of weeks. Uh, moving on to someone who's just slightly more experienced in college, uh, about four or five more years experience. Mr. Xavier Leggett, wide receiver for South Carolina. He was the fastest player in college football this weekend, according to Real Analytics. I believe he was clocked at 21 point some other ridiculous number. Uh, Miles Power on one of his crossing routes where he just completely embarrassed anyone who tried to catch up to him incredibly impressive in terms of just his athleticism massive big body 6'3 to almost 230 pounds but he is a fifth year senior uh andy thoughts on mr xavier leggett i mean you've kind of just summed it all up like we can't ignore it especially after that td last week he burned like the entire field after that catch and you mentioned his size he's massive 6'3 230 and then the biggest red flag is obviously the fifth-year senior. Um, and quite frankly, he's been terrible prior to this season. Uh, but whatever he's doing now or you know, whatever South Carolina is doing different, it's working. And I can promise you like an NFL team is going to check those numbers and see that frame with that speed out of the SEC and take like a mid-round flyer on him. So I think he'll have the opportunity, which is all you can really ask for with a guy like this who's – not really costing anybody that much. Uh, so I'm not really spending up on him, but I have added him in a few C2C leagues. Yeah, it's so tough with the fifth-year player that truly didn't break out until his fifth year uh, to, like, you know, fall in love with them. Uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of uh, Rasheed Rice. Was he fifth-year or senior? Um, but, you know, like, I, I I don't know. I Either way, I, it's just not somebody that I truly fall in love with. But, I mean, looking at what he's done this year has been pretty damn amazing. He's at 41% uh, for his uh, team market share, 140 yards per game, uh, 3.86 yards per team pass attempt, 3.34 PPR points per touch, seven receptions per game. Like, I mean, dude is just balling this, this year. You know, unfortunately, the numbers before this just 
don't match up. So, I mean, it's just like a complete uh, 180 from what he's been as an actual player. And so I think that, you know, when it's all said and done, it's really difficult to get like overly excited about him. But I mean, he has jumped up kind of into that, like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of like a player. I mean, kind of like a Rasheed Rice or somebody like that. I mean, I'd not, not to compare the players at all, but, um, somebody like that, that could just, a team falls in love with him, especially if he goes out and just crushes the combine, does something like that. And he ends up being a third round pick. I wouldn't bet on it. I would expect him to be a later pick than that, but I, it's also not impossible uh, for it to happen. Yeah, and like he's going to get invited to the Senior Bowl, so those guys are always going to you know improve their draft stock with a good practice that week or a good game. And like you said, combine. If he's like the fat, you know, in the top five fastest receivers in the combine, that's going to you know do a lot for some of those scouts. So. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's a weird thing where like he was very pedestrian, if you can even say that. Like he was not good at all for the last four years, and now all of a sudden, you know, he's just lighting it up. It kind of reminds me of, and you know, not not the same type of player, but kind of like Charlie Jones for Purdue last year, where he just sort of came out of nowhere as a fifth year guy and was you know, boom, you know, athletic, making a lot of plays. Uh, and then ends up getting like, you know, whatever, wherever Charlie Jones ended up going like in the fourth or fifth round. I think that's kind of what Xavier Leggett has in his future. I completely agree. He is someone I think might be sneaking up into uh, mid-second of your rookie drafts next season or even in your Debbie depleted drafts. Uh, he might be sneaking up, uh, whatever, or sorry, not your Debbie depleted, but your Debbie rookie drafts too. Uh, he's going to be a hot commodity, especially if he puts out elite uh, speed scores or agility scores, anything in terms of just his relative uh, size. Like it, it's definitely going to help. I am extremely concerned about just the fact that it's coming in so late, and he doesn't seem to be an extremely skilled route runner. It's just be big, be fast, go bully 18 year olds out on the edge whenever you're 23 i mean that's you know it's still very <laughs> impressive to watch but it, it definitely raises some concerns uh but you well, all summed it up perfect so i was saying how he had a 41 percent uh receiving yards market share this year his average over his college career is 12 percent, with the 40 percent included so <laughs> that just goes to show you how little he was doing before this year and I mean, that's why it's it's just truly hard to believe, but it's one of those things, you know, like a Jameson Williams, a Jalen High, a, you know, like players like this, like they, it happens, it does happen. And sometimes it's just something clicks, uh, but you know, I'd say more often than not, it's, it's just a fluke, but it's, it's really hard to, to look at this and be like, oh, it's just, it's just a fluke. He couldn't possibly be good. Yeah, I will just add, like, at least with those guys, for one, like uh, you mentioned Hyatt and J-Mo, they were only in their third year, and they were, oh, on, yeah. teams, they were on teams that had uh, lost, like, high-end receiver talent the year before. There was nobody on South Carolina last year, so I don't I don't know what yeah. happened. So, uh, like, it is it is something that you need to think about, right? But to be 6'3", 230, and running – damn near 22 miles an hour like he's gonna get you know those you're gonna see the tweets with the math bomb raz scores like 98th percentile or something like that and then <laughs> yep. everyone's yeah. gonna be like oh my god this guy did you see his season last yeah it's gonna happen 
and he's going to fly up draft boards. I promise. That's probably yeah, last, true. Last season, he didn't eclipse two receptions in a game until their bowl game against Notre Dame, and he had seven receptions, uh, I believe, seventy-eight yards and two touchdowns. Um, I, th- huh. I will say Jaheim Bell wasn't there, or at least if my memory serves me right, Jaheim Bell was no sure. longer part of the South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, so it'll it'll be interesting to see if he can keep this up. Uh, it's he's definitely making himself money right now, though. And you know, <laughs> you always love that for players, but be a little be a little wary and understand the context whenever you're getting ready to draft him coming up next season. Uh, another wide receiver you have on here. Jalen Polk, wide receiver, Washington, part of arguably the most talented wide receiver room in college football right now. Uh, no offense to Ohio State, but holy cow, Washington looks good. Yeah, they do. And what they're doing right now is just ridiculous when you put it into perspective. I know everyone was talking about Adunze and Jalen McMillan preseason, uh, but I think Polk, you know, he's looked really good out there as well. Uh, incredibly, all three of those guys have over 3.8 yards per route run, which is insane uh, to have that much success spread around, especially when they've all ran at least 75 routes this year. If I mean, just think about that. When all three guys are running a route at the same time, they're, they're averaging a first down just on a pass play. So th- that's pretty insane. Um, Welcome to the Pac-12. <laughs> right? Um but Polk might be the most versatile out of the three, though, and he hasn't really been a slouch in his first three seasons. He had 600 yards receiving last year. Um, he started his, his career at Texas Tech where he didn't really do much, but like he hasn't had that much opportunity, but in the opportunity he has had, he's he's done pretty well. Like He had a season where he had over two yards per route run where you know he only ran a, you know not that many routes. Um, right now, I think I'd probably put him ahead of his teammate Jalen McMillan, and I – you know, he's not far behind a Dunze. All three of those guys are fourth year players. So uh, I think Washington has three wide receivers that could potentially be drafted this year. Uh, so Polk, you know, he's not a bad stash and he's probably the cheapest right now, which, you know, kind of is tempting for, you know, trying to acquire at least one of those guys. Yeah, I'm kind of all out on Polk. I, I don't want anything to do with them. I, I discount the Pac-12 because it's just it's the Pac-12, and that's just what they do. You know, like, we were just talking about how with uh, with uh, Leggett, how he was a 41% market share. I mean, that's huge. That's something that actually does pique my interest. With uh, Polk here, we're looking at, like, a 22%. So, like, he's doing a lot of great things when you see him. He's, he's showing up in the box score. They all are though, you know. Like it's the offense is just clicking so damn well. They're gonna throw for like six thousand yards and however many touchdowns. It's not nearly as impressive when that thing is happening, and you're like, oh well, yeah, but he had a hundred and something yards. Like before this, his his uh, best season was like six hundred ninety six yards receiving. Um, so and, and he's what a senior as well. I just yeah, I don't love actually. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I mean, his. Uh, no, okay, never. Mind. I was looking at a different stat, but yeah, I I don't really. I just I don't love what I'm seeing there as far as uh, like being overly excited about it. Although I will say that he's clearly, you know, like an athletic player that is probably going to you know do very well in in the combine and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I just I, I think it's one of those players that I'm going to end up being just about all out on when it's all said and done. 
Fair enough. Uh, in your C to C leagues, I know we're a Debbie show, but in your C to C leagues, with someone who should still have elite production this season, how much would you be mortgaging on it, knowing that his NFL future isn't something set in stone, but it could potentially be there? Because, like, I mean, he, he's still having a great year this year, but what for this type of player archetype? what are you moving to get him on your roster or are you even trying to get him on your rosters at this point? If he's already on someone's team, I'm not going to like make an offer for him because it's probably going to be more than he's worth. But if he, if he's still on waivers, I would, you know, put in, you know, one to five, maybe 10% of my fab, depending on how much it's not a lot. Like the guy's not a surefire NFL thing, NFL player by any means. But I do think that he has, you know, just in the nature of like how good this offense is, uh, you know, it's entirely possible that all three of those guys go over a thousand yards and, you know, that's going to generate some interest in from the NFL. Uh, But I, I, you know, realistically speaking, they're probably more like, uh, you know, third to fifth round guys and, and third to seventh round guys. And, uh, you know, poke is probably more towards like the the back end of that. So, no, I'm not moving a lot to get him. I'm, it, it it is encouraging to see him step up, and I think he's been better than McMillan this year. So, if you still have hope for McMillan, I think you know you might want to abandon that at this point. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, we got. You know, with with the way that Devi fantasy football is, we, we touch so much of the C2C as well as like the dynasty stuff. So we want to make sure any of our listeners who are in those C2C leagues, we're, we're giving them as much as we possibly can. Uh, the last player on your list, I, I've had a lot of fun watching him. I don't watch a ton of ACC football because it's not real football. But Haynes King, quarterback for Georgia Tech, he's he's done some interesting things this year he's been a little exciting at times a transfer from i believe texas a&m if my memory serves me right and your all's memory is way better than mine with this uh but break down why is haynes king on this list all right so this is the one where i'm gonna be completely out and down on uh it, it, it might be easy to look at haynes king and see you know 11 touchdowns through four games only two interceptions qbr of 73.2 he's playing great you know, 8.8 yards per attempt. It all looks pretty good, but he's got a few issues. Uh, one, adjusted completion percentage is only 71.5%. And a stat that I look at more now, thanks to John, actually, is and his infamous Will Levis line is the turnover-worthy play rate, which is at 4%, and the big-time throw rate was only at 5.3%, which is not enough to really make up for it. So he's been a good Georgia Tech quarterback but not enough for me to move any sort of Debbie needle, especially like what we're seeing with the QB play this year. Uh, so yeah, he's still a pass for me. I will, I will say the other guy I thought about putting on this list was Will Howard from Kansas state. Who's scoring a bunch of TDs as well. Uh, but these guys, the same story, like they're both good college quarterbacks who are going to score you a bunch of points in C2C leagues, but they're not NFL quarterbacks. They are like the Will Levises of this class if you can even call them, you know, anything in this class, but you know, as far as like, how's, you know, here we are week three in the NFL season. How's the Will Levis experiment going? I don't think he's even been active yet and he still hasn't passed Malik Willis on the depth chart. So these aren't guys that you want on your team. 
No. Uh, like you, I think you, you said it just about perfect. With Haynes King is like, I so I, I created a CFF model this, this year. So now I can see who's like doing the best for actual CFF purposes. And uh, Haynes King is 15th overall in the CFF model for this year. He is 67th overall in the actual Debbie model. So he's, he is not a, a Debbie QB by any means. Uh, although he is producing and looking pretty damn well, uh, this year it, but yeah, it's not, uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like what we were talking about with the wide receivers. It's a complete 180 from what he's been. And so it's just truly hard to believe that this is who he is now. And that, you know, like by the time the season rolls or the end of the season rolls around, we're not going to have seen a little more of those turnover-worthy plays and all that kind of stuff. Now, I mean, I guess if it happens, then we have to have a, another discussion. But I, I don't think he's like truly changed as a player. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, it is encouraging still to see someone get a chance after what was just a rough time at Texas A&M and never truly like getting the opportunity to really do anything in Jimbo's system. Uh, and Georgia Tech is not the Georgia Tech of old, <laughs> no longer the triple option. Uh, so it, it's it's nice to see that. Uh, I'm surprised that he is, what did you say, uh, 35th in CFF scoring so far this season? 15th. 15th. I don't know where the 30s came from. Uh, but 15th, <laughs> that's that's pretty impressive. But that's what 11 touchdowns will do in, you know, 11... 100 yards through the air. They are going up against Bowling Green, which picked off J.J. McCarthy three times. So we'll see what happens here. Um, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun if we can say that he's better than J.J. McCarthy with absolutely no true evidence of that other than a random uh, common opponent. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but this has been flashes in the pan. We're going to do another quick three second break. And I know it's three seconds that gummit. It is three seconds. That's what we're doing. I'm counting. Moving on. All right. I counted. It was, it was three, three seconds. Three seconds. Right, dad gummit. Uh, <laughs> but just a quick little reminder for those who have been following us for a while. I'm going to throw up on here. The touchdown tracker if you want to recap all of these touchdown totals that we were talking about earlier in off season please go look at those videos they are on our youtube page while you're there make sure you hit subscribe and put the little bell on so you know whenever we are doing our shows for the most part it's every tuesday and wednesday night tuesday for full tilt dynasty wednesday for full tilt devi but going across the bottom of the screen here we have drake may who Andy did say was a trap over under currently sitting at five touchdowns, four games through the season. And that scares the crap out of me. Uh, Mr. Dorian singer at two touchdowns uh, who Andy put on here just cause he wanted to rub it in people's faces when he would be good. That's right. Andy, why are you doing that, dude? <laughs> what are you talking about? It was John. Who's like, Throw, put him on the list. Did I say Andy? I'm sorry. I'm going crazy. Uh, I'm just (laughs) viewing words and hoping they make sense whenever you hear them all at once. But then there's Malik Neighbors. So, hey, you know, that's he's going to crush it. Well, what was his total? Eight. And you guys were worried he wasn't going to hit it. It, He's going to hit 20 at this point right now. It's awesome. I was wrong on that one for sure. I mean, we're all right in that we love Malik Neighbors. But yeah, so far, it looks like we are going to be pleasantly 
surprised and wrong on what his end touchdown numbers should look like. He is sitting at five currently. Thank you, Mississippi State. Then there is Brock Bowers at two. Uh, suck it, John. And Travion Henderson at five. Uh, Henderson's looking pretty good. Yeah, Bowers, that one. Woof. Um I mean, the he thing is, like, didn't he? He had a good game last week. I don't know. Maybe, it was like maybe he just took him a couple he had weeks. Like one catch. He had like one catch like two weeks ago. So yeah, like, you never know with you never know with Georgia like what they're gonna do. They might just. <laughs> but they're still giving him the ball on the ground, so that always skews it just a little bit. Like Brock Bowers yeah. is a good player, but it's it's still fun to be right about one thing in this. So I will take the victory that I can have. Dag gummit. Uh, but Travion Henderson. He he looks he looks a lot better. We already talked for a long time about Travion Henderson and all the other 2024 RBs that we are tracking right now and excited about. But just a quick little recap on the touchdown tracker. Andy, how are we finishing out the show today? So I got a, a game of the week, and you know, there's there's some good games this week, but I picked the the two undefeateds. We got Kansas. At Texas, and this will give us our, you know, obligatory Quinn Ewers discussion, which everyone loves to have. Um, I don't expect the te- Texas to have any issues here. Jalen Daniels hasn't been great for Kansas, and Devin Neal, who I, I love this year, I don't think he's going to score 20 points by himself. Uh, they gave up 24 points last week to Nevada, who's god awful. Uh, so Texas should score like 50 in this spot. Uh, so I am expecting some big games from Ewers and JT Sanders, especially. The Jayhawks really don't have a pass rush outside of a six-sack game against Illinois. Um, the Texas defense shut has shut down Baylor and Rice, so I don't think they'll. It, you know, Rice they've got a good offense, so I, I, I did kind of put that on there. Also, this game is at home, which plays in their favor. Uh, you know, and they shut down the Baylor running game, which is you know a big part of what they do there. Uh, so it should be an easy win and an easy cover. Ewers is doing everything he's asked at this point, right? He's still not hitting the big throws like we were promised as a recruit, which isn't all his fault because he's got a his receivers have a drop rate of eight point nine percent. But he's still keeping the ball safe. He's kind of you know if you look at the line, it's kind of similar to what Drew Aller's got going on, where he's not hitting too many big throws, but he's not really doing anything to to hurt them either. Uh, I do want to see him kind of make a bit him and Texas make a bit of a statement here and blow a ranked team out of the water. And I think that's going to do a lot for Ewers Ewers draft stock. Yeah, Ewers has looked a lot better than he did last season. Uh, We know that during the offseason, he did make a couple of big changes just personally, and he tried to get his body a lot more right for college football. So get rid of the mullet. Yeah, and he got rid of the mullet. That was everything. Uh, yeah it's it's a little crazy this is the game that i wish college game day was going to i understand wanting to go to duke but Notre dame just lost so that kind of hurts it a little bit and you know it's always fun to do this kind of ranked game where kansas does have a legit chance uh they are 17 point dogs though so that's not super encouraging but I think we'll really learn a whole awful lot about devin neal during this game and see where he kind of ranks among the other running backs uh coming up so uh it should be interesting john yeah i agree i mean yours is moving up we talked about it on the last pod you know like he was moving up for me moving up for me 
you know, he's still not at that like elite tier that people want to act like he is. But you know, like Andy was saying, he he's not doing elite things. He's just not doing terrible things anymore. And so like it's good. He's making progress for sure, and he is moving up. Uh, but yeah, he's just not quite in that like elite tier or anything for me just yet. Um, and you know, as far as uh, you know, like what I expect from the game, I I, I almost wonder if he's due for one of his terrible games, you know, because we haven't seen it yet. You know, he, he had his, he had his, uh, Super Bowl against Alabama, went out there and did what he had to do. And then he didn't really look all that great this past week. Like he, he looked fine, but he didn't look like he, what he did against Alabama. I almost wonder if he's going to go out against a ranked team, not an amazing Kansas uh, team, but ranked, you know, if he's going to go out and actually just, completely shit the bed i'm not guaranteeing it i'm just saying it's possible yeah this does kind of look like a trap game uh texas aside from this week against kansas and then next week against a very scary looking oklahoma team they don't play another ranked team the rest of the season everybody knows the red river rivalry but there's a lot of bad blood between Kansas and Texas as well. Uh, Kansas has had a lot of fun screwing up Texas seasons in the past. Uh, two years ago was just wonderful. It, it makes that was, you smile. That was the, uh, the Jalen Daniels coming out party oh. where he threw like six touchdowns, double yeah. overtime to like the fullback to win it. That was great. It's it, it's beautiful. But it it is the classic trap game of potentially overlooking a – kansas team that's historically fairly irrelevant in the big 12 and looking forward to your biggest rival the next week but i like what a point that you have on here saying is texas a lock for college football playoff they have they have to get through these next two weeks and then it is in the don't screw up mode the rest of the way uh houston byu kansas state tcu iowa state and then finishing off the year against texas tech Kansas State's the only other team on there that kind of worries you. Um, but there's there's nothing else, really. They have their statement when at Alabama, and it's just going to be trying to take care of business the rest of the way. Because if you screw up right now, uh, they'd have to have one more really, really impressive win to truly feel great about getting in there. Although there isn't another really dominant-looking team out there, so they they could potentially get in at 11 to one. I mean, it's possible, right? Um, I think if you lose this week, especially you're kind of hoping for somebody else to screw up because the PAC 12 looks like they've got at least one team that's going to be in the playoff this year, whether that's USC or Washington or Oregon, like whoever comes out of there is going to be the team that, you know, is ends up in the playoff. Michigan, I don't think they're going to have any issues. I think, you know, the Ohio, you're always check off the Ohio State game. They have to go to Penn State, which could be trouble. But, you know, they, they've just sort of been doing very – playing good football. Like, they're not, they're not making too many mistakes, and the mistakes they are making haven't hurt them too much. So – and then Georgia is Georgia. So you've got those three teams – and then, you know, the SEC is always going to, you know, LSU, they've got a good loss against Florida State. If they, you know, take care of their own business too, they could be right back in it. So if you lose here, you're going to you're gonna be playing catch up and hope that somebody else screws up. You really so, need Florida State to mess up then. 
Right. Um, and they almost did against Boston College, but they didn't. And then so, they almost did against Clemson. Which yeah, was Florida State is like the week. weirdest thing. that Florida State came out and obliterated LSU in week one. Looked like they were going to be unstoppable, untouchable. I don't know if that was just game plan or what, but they looked amazing. And then they've looked pretty damn mediocre since then. Uh, so I don't know what's going on there. And uh, But yeah, it, I don't even know where if I had a point beyond that, but it just, it's, it was the weirdest thing from week one to now. Yeah. And now that they've like gotten past Clemson, like I, I don't have their schedule in front of me. I'm assuming they probably play Duke. Uh, or if they don't play Duke, they're probably going to have to play Duke in the ACC championship. Um, so there's going to be tough games for them ahead still, but um, yeah, right now, you know, they, their schedule kind of plays in their favor. I think they can, they're another team that can kind of just waltz in if they if they you know take care of business. Yeah, so right now the biggest they do have three ranked games, or at least as the teams are currently ranked, left on their schedule. Duke, uh, they have to well, they'll have Duke at home. Then they also have Miami at home, which is really Ooh, nice. That'll be them. a good game. That'll be yeah, a great game. But they will I might go, go to, to that game. There you go. Uh they will have to travel to Florida at the end of the season, and Florida is surprisingly after that week one dud they're they're ranked right now uh courtesy of beating tennessee and crushing all my hopes and dreams and making me very sad but those are conversations for other days uh yeah fuller state Bring, I, we need we need to see nico man joe milton ain't it you should have talked to some michigan fans before they started waltzing joe milton out there as there's a starter. so much more wrong with tennessee than joe milton right now like Nico's not going to fix ooh, everything. Ooh, but what what's right about Tennessee though? Jalen uh, Wright, Jaylen baby. Wright, I love it. Dylan Sampson, baby. <laughs> what do you have? Two hundred yards last week. He Something he looked crazy. really good. He looked really good. And Jalen Wright, hey, he was through three weeks. He was the second highest graded running back according to PFF. Um, I know he got a little banged up last week, but he has looked really good. And I'd be curious. With your big time run rate, that's runs over twenty yards, right? I believe it's fifteen. It oh, used to be 15? it used to be twenty because I was getting it from a different source. Now I believe it's fifteen. Okay, I'm I'm curious what his big time run rate is now because his yards per carry. I know that that's a very inflated Jalen right? Be, yes, and you have to be careful with that. But man, he has looked so good. It makes me very very happy. I know that it's the homer in me, but. It, he still looked good, and it makes me happy. But back to college football playoff. Florida 13.3%. State, I like that. This season. Yeah. Not overall, just this season. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, that's that's very fun. Uh, but college football playoff, Florida State, honestly, they can't lose. If they lose, the ACC will miss out again on trying to get someone into college football playoff, especially with the Big Ten potentially having three teams in the conversation right now. SEC still having three teams realistically in the conversation. Uh, Pac-12, we'll see. It's it's going to be a murderer's row towards the end of the season in the Pac-12, and they just have to make sure that there's someone who gets out of it with only one loss. It, it's going to be tough to accept a two-loss team into it, even in the last year of the Pac-12. But USC has looked good against Cupcakes. Utah has played a fairly uh, tough schedule so far, and even without their starting quarterback, they've managed to keep winning 
Oregon has looked really good. Uh, UCLA, they're not going to be in, but they're still going to be a tough out for a lot of teams. And of course, Washington, who, oh man, that they're so much fun to watch. They're just so, so, so much fun to watch. And don't sleep on Cam Ward in Washington State. They might light yeah. up against you yes. too. Yes, completely forgot about Washington State there for a second. That was that was a really funny and game. DJU Oregon and Oregon State. State. All, yeah. all these like the Pac-12 is stacked this year. They're like they're like having a this is it. This is their swan song. That was a really fun game last week. It's it's kind of sad that the Pac-12 has just kind of been this weird thing that can never get anyone into the playoff and. and they get to go out like this but oh man it's been fun it's, it's kind of perfect fun. too though yeah <laughs> nice little swan song uh and to close out the show based off of who this episode was named after sir luther burden wide receiver out of mizzou i i'm going to be quiet here this could go on for the next 20 minutes between you two but Andy, opening statements, please. All right. So first of all, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm not on some sort of victory lap here because I had a lot of the same concerns that John had this offseason about Burden's ability to make plays after the catch, run a full route tree, all that stuff. But I'm willing to shift when we have new information and the move to the slot has unlocked him. He's gotten better every week. He's been borderline unguardable. Last week, he only ran 17 routes. He was targeted on 12 of them. Finished ten with 10 catches for 177 yards. He's got over 500 yards in the season. A ridiculous 5.27 yards per route run. Almost five yards uh, per team pass attempt. I, I like that they're not using him in the run game this year like they did last year because I think that's kind of just improved his ability as a pass catcher. I can't say anything bad about the guy. Um, I, w- I said it in our chat earlier today. I said, Evan Stewart, you know, he's still my wide receiver one. He hasn't really done anything for me to move him out of that spot. Uh, I know that he didn't really, I think he got banged up last week or he didn't play a lot, but uh, Burden, he's, he's in that tier for me, right? He's, he's wide receiver, you know, the tier one in this class for the wide receivers. There's nobody really else close to that level in this class. Maybe, I mean, you can make arguments about Barry and Brown and Ted McMillan, uh, maybe even, I mean, I wouldn't put him in this list, but Travis Hunter, if you believe he'll play wide receiver in the NFL, which he absolutely will not. But for me, it's just a two man race at the top, as far as I'm concerned. So burden, I'm, I'm all in on burden right now. I'm sorry. All right. So I, I, I think we talked about burden on the last pod, right? I think we did for a little bit. Yeah. I right. Think, yes. I, mean, I don't remember what I said. But if I didn't say this already, I'm going to I'm going to take an L on Luther Burden because I said that Luther Burden is terrible. I've said it a lot of times. Luther Burden is not terrible. Okay, I'm taking an L for those purposes. The people that are losing their damn minds about Luther Burden's the number one in the class and all that kind of shit, they can get the hell out of here. They have played literally no one. They have played South Dakota. Middle Tennessee State, Kansas State, and Memphis. Okay, so I'm like, all right, well, Kansas State, you know, Big 12 team, you know, maybe maybe they're decent. What? Kobe Hudson, who, if you don't know who that is, is a wide receiver for UCF, uh, put up five receptions for 138 yards and two tutties this week 
against Memphis. So unless you think Kobe Hudson needs to be thrown up into this mix for top wide receivers uh, in college football, then I don't think we need to be counting that game all that highly. Uh, this is one of the things that I hate about college football is there's just no consistency at all. You know, t- teams have played four or five games, and yet some teams you can sit there and look at them and say, I believe this team. I believe th- these games. I believe what this player has done. I don't really believe what Burden has done. Um, even if you go look at his teammates, all- almost all of his teammates are like 20 yards per reception. At Mizzou, you know, like it's just they're playing out of their damn minds because they've played literally no one. So I'm fine taking the Ellen Burden. He's not nearly as bad as I thought he was. Let's all calm down with like, oh my God, now we got to throw him up to the top of the class until we actually see him play some games. Even this week, he's playing Vanderbilt, which is like the worst team in the SEC. So I don't even know if we're going to get our answer this week, but, you know, maybe we'll actually get like a, a, a muted game. And instead of 177 yards and whatever else, it just seems like they're playing these teams that cannot do anything. <laughs> oh man. But all right. You said it earlier when we were talking about Xavier Leggett, like the market share matters. And like, I don't know what his market it share does. is now. It's 44.45%, which is just not sustainable. It's not going to stay that way is the thing. Like, I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. has a 30% market share. Do you think that he's better than MHJ? Um, no, I, I mean, no, of course. <laughs> like not. you don't see, you, you don't see forty percent. You know, I was I was saying how Leggett has a forty percent market share earlier, and I was saying that's a good thing. I didn't mean that I expected that to stay. I'm just saying like he's started off amazingly. You right. don't see forty percent market shares unless you're talking about literally the best players in college football. You don't see 40% market share in P5. You see it in G5. You see it in FCS. You see all that kind of stuff. You don't see it in right. P5. It's just not going to stay. It, it, like, you know, he was he, he was at like, uh, I think like 23% or something last year. You know, maybe he gets up to that 30% range and we can talk about him being, you know, like one of those like tier two, tier three guys, whatever. I just don't th- I don't think that everything's like all of a sudden changed. I think he's the same player he was. He's just breaking big yard, big plays against shitty teams and that's going to happen. Okay. Uh we'll see. Well, yeah, I mean, you're right. We 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 still got uh 2 thirds of the season to go. So, you know, he's got more time to prove you. I'm not yeah. I'm not trying to like say that you're wrong, but you might no, be no, probably I- wrong. <laughs> He's my <laughs> he, he, he is the best. Last. He is the best wide receiver on that team, and that's easily the nicest thing I've ever said about him. So I, he, he is that. And like I said, I was wrong about him being terrible. I just think we, we just got to calm down a little bit before we need to see a few actual games before we go too far into this. All right. Well, so you did bring up a decent point last week with you know, um, love it who was the primary slot receiver last year being, being like a better receiver. And there is some credence to the slot receiver in that system, just getting like way more attention than any other receiver. So just moving him to the slot, just, you know, it it kind of like makes him look even better than he might actually be. Um, But, you know, he's looked great. I just, for, for what we've known in this class so far, which is, you know, it's, it's the second year with, and we're only four games in, we don't know everything that we're going to know by the end of the year, but 
you know, if where I'm standing right now today, given his recruiting pedigree, given, you know, how many his reception market share last year, it was, you know, he, you said it was over 20%, which is pretty good for a true freshman. Granted, the yards were not there. Something was, I don't know. They just weren't using him. I don't know what they were doing, honestly. I've never seen a receiving season like that. Um, but it's whatever they're doing now is working. And we know that the slot receiver is kind of a, a cheat code in that offense. But um, the other the other thing that you know might concern people is like he's a primary slot receiver now, it seems. And that can kind of, you know, give you some pause when you're trying to project to the NFL where, you know, typically you want those alpha guys who can play all over the field, which great as of right now, we've seen him do really well as a slot receiver. We haven't seen him do anything else. And a lot of people were comparing him to like the Debo Samuel prototype. And he's not, he's not really playing that Debo Samuel role anymore. So you can't really make those comparisons. Um, but I mean, the numbers are kind of just speak for themselves for me right now. Like you gotta, you, you yeah. gotta, you gotta zig when, when you have to. You know, I'm, I don't know <laughs> what the expression is right now. I'm just, I don't want to say zig when other people are zagging because everyone is on Luther Burden. And also, to you know, from John's standpoint, it doesn't matter if he thinks he's good right now because everyone else thinks he's good. So it doesn't, it won't do him any good to say, okay, he's good because he's not going to be able to acquire him anyhow because the price is too high. So, all right. Yeah. I'm still happy with like all of my calls and everything in the offseason as far as like sell Luther Burton, I'm still ha- happy with because it was always about the value. Like I didn't believe in the player. You know, even Andy admitted that he, he had question marks and, and, you know, questions about the player. So sell him for a guy like a Malik Neighbors that was a lot more proven or something. That that was kind of my my whole thing. Um, and then getting into like you had said, like mentioned Evan Stewart. You had mentioned uh, Tet McMillan. With Evan Stewart's played Auburn and Miami so far in uh, his three games that he's played so far, compared to you know whatever FCS teams that Luther Burton has played, like. This that's why I'm saying like we can't truly compare anything right now. Like I, it's just so difficult to say, oh, this is the absolute because we've seen four games where he's played literally no one, and you know, like I, I'm just gonna say it again. You know, unless you think Kobe Hudson is, uh, you know, is a, a top five dynasty or a Debbie wide receiver, then you know, I think we gotta all chill a little bit. So I think what we can glean from the first four games of the season and also looking at his freshman season is that as soon as he got to Mizzou, the coaching staff looked at him and said, you are the most talented player we have in our program right now. And you want to get the ball into the hands of your talented players. That's why he had 18 carries last season and his average yards is 8.3, which you do not want to see from somebody that you're wanting to be an elite wide receiver, but you get them simple screens just to, Kit the ball in their hands, let them try to do something explosive, let them try to be more athletic than everyone else on the field, which you can't blame him. I don't want to speak to his understanding of the offense, but if you are a freshman coming in, learning a college football offense can take some time, so make things simple for him. And now with another year in this offense, having a better understanding of this role, putting him into the slot, 
they're actually able to get him the ball through the air instead of all of these extremely specific design plays just to let him be the best player on the field for them. So I'm really excited about that. That's that's always encouraging, and nobody is really doubting the fact that he is an athletic freak. I don't think he's a Debo-type player. Uh, I don't think he's big enough to be that. It's encouraging that he can handle uh, running the ball, but he's not Debo Samuel. But he is a still an extremely athletic, talented player. Hopefully he can develop more into being an extremely athletic, talented wide receiver moving forward. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be really interesting whenever he comes up against some of the more elite competition, especially with the quarterback situation. It, it was a competition coming into the season. And uh, Brady Cook, I, is his name Brady? Now I'm going crazy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Brady Cook. He's he's had some up and down moments throughout his college football uh, career, so we'll we'll see how much we can attribute to him versus Luther Burden moving forward. It's encouraging. Don't think he's the wide receiver one by any chance right now, but and like like Andy, I I will side on Evan Stewart, but he he has looked he has looked a lot better than I was expecting so far. Stewart and Tet are sitting right around 13 uh, yards per uh, or a dot average depth of target, and uh, uh, Luther Burton is at 7.8. So I mean, really, you know, yeah, for the season. So I, I mean, nothing has truly changed except for the fact that he's breaking big plays. You know, because all the concerns that we had before were, you know. He, he doesn't run real routes. He doesn't actually like go down the field and do that. And, and like, you know, I, I had people sending me cause I've don't get me wrong. I, I, I deserved it, but I had people sending me, you know, like clips of Luther burden catching like one big pass, uh, you know, like 15 yards down the field going, Oh, I thought he couldn't catch down the field. And I'm like, all right, but I mean, his a dot is still 7.8. So, I mean, it, you know, like maybe he can do it once in a while. Uh, but you know, like that's, I mean, he was also wide open on that play. You know, like, I don't think he actually ran a route or anything. So we probably fell. So you know, it's like, uh, with the role, it works out great. It's great for college football. I don't know how that's translating as is to the NFL right now. Whereas we see Evan Stewart and Tep McMillan actually probably running real routes, doing real things on a football field that I can believe in. I cannot believe in Luther Burden right now. Just to put into perspective how odd Luther Burden's freshman season was, his ADOT as a freshman was 9.7 yards and he had 6.6 yards after catch per reception. But his his yards per reception was only eight point seven, which was less than his A dot. So yeah, it was, it was very strange. So I, strange. I don't understand how that happened. But um, like John said, he wasn't catching the ball downfield. You know, he was getting targeted, on, but he just wasn't catching it. So think it's the slot. I think just moving to the slot is is kind of like you know done a world for him. But we'll see. You know, he's going to play an SEC schedule, so we're going to get a much better picture of what his talent level is in the next couple of weeks. And it won't start this week. We'll, we'll have to wait another week. Uh, but, yeah, don't don't hold anything he does against Vanderbilt this week as further proof that he can survive against an SEC defense. They're SEC. Anchor down. <laughs> That's right. And my, my boy London Humphreys is on there, so you got to roll with him. Roll. That just made, like, four words into one i rolled a bunch of words together it did not make any sense i'm sorry i will take vanderbilt seriously whenever they don't have cranes holding up their scoreboards thank you very much you're not, <laughs> oh, no. you're not a big aj swan guy 
How about uh, hey, hey uh, Will Shepard, man, he's he's a game changer. London Humphreys, that's my baby. I don't like <laughs> Will Shepard. It seems like they always got like some freshman who just comes out for the wide receiver for that team. It's so weird. Like, why Vanderbilt? <laughs> I, don't I don't get know. it. But but he's he's just good. Yeah. Easy roster to make an impression on. That's all I'll say about it. Uh, but we are at the hour 20 mark. Uh, I know we could probably keep talking about Luther Burden for a while longer, but we're going to stop it there. Once again, always great being able to spend Wednesday night with you fine gentlemen. Uh, biggest takeaway so far through four weeks of the season. Real quick. One sentence. Biggest takeaway. Texas is back. Jane- Ooh, that was that was better than what I was gonna say. I, I like that. Uh, no, screw it. Jaden Daniels is back. Fair enough. True. Fair enough. Is this the end of Clemson? That's that's my biggest takeaway so far. But it's only because I am slightly bitter. Uh, there can only be one orange team, and you know we'll we'll deal with Texas next year. But that is it from us at the Full Tilt Debbie podcast. We will talk to you all again. Are we doing two weeks or one week at this point before we come back? I don't know. I think I think we got to go weekly, but I know Tommy T doesn't want to. So fuck it. Let's do weekly. <laughs> we will see you back here. Same time, same place next week then. And once again, make sure you're checking out the Debbie recap comes out every Monday or Tuesday morning, immediately following the college football games, whatever you missed or whatever you need to know from Debbie fantasy football implications of what's going on throughout the week. Please make sure you are checking that out. Andy does a great job with that every single week. And then we're going to get you even more prepared on this program. Uh, For myself, John, Andy, you all have a fantastic rest of your week. Week five of college football season is right around the corner and can't wait to enjoy it with you all. Until next time, see ya. We'll be right back.